Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Recording progress. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Mental Health Check-In with Talik. I have a special episode today. I have a group panel. I call it, let's talk about it, my brothers. Um, I'm going to introduce each one and they're going to tell you what they do. Um, so first, I'll start with Andrew. How you doing, Andrew? I'm good, Talik. I was hoping you'd call me last since I don't have a great introduction for myself. Uh, but my name is Andrew. I'm here in uh, Philadelphia. Um, I work in social work field, as I have been for the last eight years, but I'm absolutely currently in school for um, my counseling degree um, to become a licensed therapist. Um, so working on that. Also have some experience um, in the church world as well. Um, so I'll leave it at that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, next, Brian. Go ahead, my brother. Yeah, what's up? I'm Brian. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I guess I, I come from more of the pharmaceutical industry. I was doing engineering work, but I was trying to go more full-time mental health, but right now I'm still in pharmaceuticals and I do mental health work through like creative arts in, in my weeknights and weekends. But I, I run this small community organization called the Heartbeat Mission. So like we do one-on-one -on -one creative coaching and creative expression with different people that are going through mental health challenges, trying to get them to cope with what they're going through in a healthier way. Um, and then yeah, I produce like music and stuff. So we try to share faith and hope through different forms of like electronic music, but also just like pop R&B music as well. Um, and yeah, I work right now as a youth advisor for NAMI. Um, to serve like 18 to 25 year olds um, across the states and uh, work with Talik at Nami Bucks County, but I'm just outside of Philadelphia, um, but Philadelphia is like a five minute drive right from my house. So I'm on the border and uh, yeah, I'm a South Asian guy. So there's not many like Indian people I meet in the mental health world, which is cool, but not cool at all. <laughs> so I'm trying to, trying to bring more people, but grateful for the opportunity, grateful for the space. And it's cool to see other people doing different things in their own way because no matter how many of us there are there's not enough people so it's just good to see and be a part of today that's it thank you Brian thank you next um Robert hey what's up everybody my name is Robert Marshall I, I am the CEO of I am at Inc and uh I help boys and men overcome adverse childhood and traumatic life experiences. Um, I am the author of an amazing book called Echoes. It's the number one bestseller. Um, and we're coming out next with the workbook. I'm so excited about it. Um, we've produced many resources to help men journey to wholeness. Um, the framework for the work that I do is healing is the journey, wholeness is the destination. And what we do is we help men on their journey to wholeness one healing step at a time. Um, I'm excited to be here. You know, I'm really excited to chat with all these brothers, especially Brian, because uh, part of my research um, was looking at uh, sexual traumatic experiences in youth in uh, different parts of India, urban communities in India, and how much of a huge problem that is. And so I'm excited about this conversation. 
Uh, thank you for having me on. And I look forward to um, continuing to help men journey to wholeness. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Dr. Ray. Hello, everybody. I am Dr. Ray Van Key. I am located in the Philadelphia area and I own a private practice. I'm a clinical psychologist. So I work with a wide range of individuals, uh, individuals usually 14 and up uh, with anything pretty much. Uh, I consider myself a generalist, uh, but I, I do have a faith background. And so I'm able to integrate spirituality and psychology uh, to, to address uh, issues with people who have backgrounds of faith. I consider that my, my specialty. So I'm glad to be here. Glad to, to be in conversation with you brothers and men need this. Men need this. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so let's get into these questions. Um, my first question is for um, Ray and Robert. So we could just go Robert, then Ray. Um, my first question is why do men avoid seeking help with mental health issues? Man, to be honest, Luke, that's the, that's the, that's a that's a layered question. Um, and there's a number of reasons besides just social kind of the you know layer stuff, top layer, social stigma, you know, uh, um, as it relates to not knowing, not having access to the right resources or access or the res or uh, access to the right resources, information. Um, and as well as, you know, sometimes their own traumas that keep them from, from pursuing uh, the help that they need. Um, I think it's, it's, I think it's changing, to be honest. I think it's changing within the last, you know, five to 10 years. Um, the, you know, the, you know, general, the younger generations now, we see them dealing, we're seeing them to start to really see the need for mental health professionals and checking up on their mental health. And so I, I think um, even though there are still some stigmas, you know, some negative stereotype stigmas around mental health and even medicine when it comes to mental health and especially um, in the faith capacity, faith world, right? Medicine and faith, you know, the old, you know, theology doctrine, Jesus is my doctor. He writes out all my prescriptions, right? <laughs> that type of mentality. But we see that, you know, that people can rock with Jesus and still be on medicine at the same time. So, uh, and whether he works miraculously, miraculously or he works miraculously through those pills, like, hey, it still gets the job done. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I just, you know, top layer stuff. Thank you. That was dope. Thank you, um, Dr. Ray. Yeah, I, I just want to echo that. Yeah, it, it is a layered uh, issue. I think one of the biggest things that contributes to um, men not reaching for help is the social aspect, how we're socialized as men. You know, men are not supposed to need help. Men are supposed to be self-sufficient. Men are supposed to, you know, be strong and, and, you know, never have an issue, never have a problem that they themselves can't fix. You know, these are the messages that we internalize all our life, you know, get it together, stop that crying. You know, we're not allowed to acknowledge pain. We're not allowed to acknowledge when we're struggling, you know, and I think that's the reason why men don't reach out because they're trying to maintain this uh, sense of manhood, you know, that's not really you know, valid. So that's why I think, you know, men are not reaching out. Yeah, y'all both made some valid points. Thank you for your answers. Um, the next question um, for Brian and Andrew, and we'll do Andrew first, then Brian. Um, what can men do to help with their mental health? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a, another great question. I mean, I think it goes well with the first question of why some of the reasons men don't don't seek out counseling. So to to start heading in that direction and to begin seeking out counseling or just to be begin the journey of exploring your own mental health, I think it you know it has to start with a sense of so a sense of honesty and a sense of self awareness of beginning to know your own story, begin to explore things about yourself. Um, you got to be able to turn and face the things that a lot of a lot of us, if we're honest, want to hide. We don't want to bring out those stories. We don't want to bring out those things that we're embarrassed of. But the only way to begin to start dealing with them is to turn and face them. So it starts with a lot of honesty and then the, the self-awareness to be honest with ourselves about the way we show up and present ourselves in the world and begin to explore some of those reasons of maybe the things we, if we're honest, don't like about ourselves, what's what's beneath them. Um, and then knowing your story, knowing your, your family story as well, knowing about your mom and your dad, your uncles, you know, whether there's mental health things that have been passed on or maybe not even mental health things, but just what are stories of trauma that have been within your family? They might not just affect your mom or dad, but they they may affect you as well. You may discover some things that you didn't know and start to put some pieces together. Um, i say another thing is, you know, for men specifically, another thing that probably don't like to do is kind of leaning into that inner child within you, knowing that a lot of this stuff kind of comes back to some some wounds in your childhood, perhaps as, as cliche as that sounds, perhaps in the mental health world, I know that there's a lot of truth to it as well, too. So leaning into honoring that, that child, whatever that age child that is that maybe went through some stuff, just honoring them and kind of sitting with them and giving that. And I think overall, just a uh, what I've been learning with my own personal journey and just studying counseling is just a, a curiosity and a compassion towards yourself, um, a self-compassion to be kind to yourself and just a curiosity to begin exploring what's there. I think it has to start with what those two things are, are key to a lot of other elements, I would think. Thank you, Andrew. That's good. Thank you. Um, Brian. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with anything Andrew said, and and I think the two things I'll echo is um, the shout out to Robert's book Echo, <laughs> right? His book. Have you read it? No, I mean, I read a little bit of it. I haven't read the whole thing, but I'm going to read it today. You know what I'm saying I'm going to get that. I got to help a bro out, you know. There's, but, a, there's an audible uh, version too. You can grab that's it. That's even better. All right, but uh, yeah, I was going to echo two things in the sense as to first would be yeah, hundred percent when it comes to that honesty. I always say to people in my circle like true transparency breeds transformation so if you're not honest with yourself you, you're gonna just you chase you're gonna climb a ladder that's up against the wrong building and you're gonna get somewhere you don't want to be so in order to get to where you want to go you're gonna have to be honest with yourself first so that kind of borders onto self-awareness and and it's okay to i was always telling like, like if people sometimes feel like they don't want to be as like guys they don't want to be selfish they always are like a provider or whatever but honestly like it's okay to take that time to be selfish to be curious about who you are because in taking that couple of days or months or a year to be selfish and know who you are and what strengths you bring to the table and what your weaknesses are you're better able to support somebody else not saying you can do everything for them but you at least know what you bring to the table and where you need support to support other people but also yourself so um, and then also another thing I'll mention is uh, for me in my own recovery journey, I always tell people like, I'm only doing the things that I wish someone did for me when I was younger. So when you look at that idea of caring for that inner child, like the way I, I hold myself now is just like, yeah, I'm who I am now, but 
I'm also looking out for little Brian too, because people disrespected little Brian. Little Brian had to process his feelings in a convenient fashion to save face in different settings. But now that I know that other people are hurting too, if I can comfort my own self, but also know that there are other people that exist in the world going through that at that age as well now, then it helps me meet people where they're at instead of having this agenda of telling them something that might be actually harmful to them. Yeah, um, I want to add something um, to that question. Um, guy, men that's listening, you know, make sure you um, um, talk to somebody, you know, don't keep it um, deep in, you know, um, talking to somebody that you trust and remember that not everybody understands mental health issues, you know, make sure, like, I, we and Brian say that in NAMI groups all the time, you know, not everybody going to understand it, make sure you talk to somebody that understands, like, um, but I want to say shout out to Robert because, like, before, you know, Andrew know my struggle, you know, he's used to be my pastor, he knows my struggle with, like, with sexual abuse, and then before, I just thought it was me until I picked up the book Echoes, and I was like, oh it's just not me because I didn't know anybody growing up that was comfortable enough like I was you know um talking about sexual abuse I think like when Andrew went to the same church I was talking about I feel like it pushed men away because men wasn't talking about it but you know now a lot of people are talking about um sexual abuse mental health or whatever it is just make sure uh, men out there that you just talk to somebody get into community um whatever that looks like for you you know get into community and um, I would like to go to my next question. It would be for Ray and Andrew. We'll start with Ray, then go with Andrew. What advice would you give the men who are reluctant to do therapy? What up? What advice would I give the men? Uh, I would I would encourage them to realize that they are number one human, that they are limited, and no one is put on this earth to handle things alone. You know, that they need to understand that, you know, it's important for them to be able to connect and to to share, you know, it's, it's not meant for them to carry burdens alone, you know, and, and until they're able to acknowledge their limitations and realize that it doesn't take anything away from their manhood to reach out, you know, they're always going to be in the same situation. They're always going to feel the same way. They need to reach out. They need to talk. They need to get it out. That's important. That's what I would tell men these days that, you know. They're not the only one. They're not alone. Yeah. yeah. And that there are people that do want to hear what they have to say. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, um, Dr. Ray. Um, Andrew? Mm -hmm. Yeah, obviously, you know, the fact of, you know, helping someone realize they're not alone and can't do this alone is is, is this a main thing, probably the key thing there, and obviously hard to do. I say some other things perhaps is, you know, just, just explore why you may be reluctant to go to therapy, kind of lean into that, explore that curiosity as to what's making you so reluctant, kind of explore that, just go there, allow yourself to explore that a little bit. Um, perhaps another thing I, I can think of is just thinking of, you know, future generations. I know men always talk about they want to build a legacy and leave stuff for their kids. And, you know, a lot of times that means financial and there's nothing wrong with that, of course, too. But what other better ways to kind of help, you know, future generations by working through your own story? I know a lot of us, myself included, wish that, you know, my dad worked through his own story and his own traumas and hurts and things like that so that he could be there for me to have honest conversations about emotions and mental health and things like that. So I think it's, you know, looking at it long-term and generationally as well, if men want to leave a legacy 
for future generations, what better way to do that by just kind of leaning into that story so their kids have a foundation to have those conversations and a place to go and impacting future generations. Because as we know, a lot of us have experienced or worked around people have dealt with trauma. Those things don't just last for one person, but those are yeah. generational things. So what better way to leave an impact than um, working through your own story for future generations? Thank you. Um, before I get into my next question, I want to just always say this in all my episodes, anybody out there that's struggling with any thoughts of suicide, suicide ideation, or deep, dark depression, or if you know someone, make sure you dial the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988. There are plenty of resources out there, NAMI, me, and Brian, facilitate support groups. You know, it's not intended to place therapy. We're not mature professionals, but it's a space to talk amongst people that may be going through the same stuff that you're going through. Um, Robert has a Facebook page for survivors of sexual abuse um, called the Survivor Circle on Facebook. You know, there's plenty of resources out there, guys. You know, just try to Google. Use Google as your best friend to look for these resources. So my next question is for Robert and Brian. If you go Brian and Robert, how do mental health issues like depression or suicidal thoughts show up in men's life? That's a hard question. <laughs> I think, I think, well, number one, I think um, this is also an onion question. This is a layered question because um, we all get different cards that we're dealt with, right? So somebody be, might be coming out of the gate with generational trauma and family problems. And it, it might not be their problem that they need to navigate, but it might be somebody else's that they have to kind of support and navigate for them to even get to navigating their own issues thereafter, right? So, cause we know in our, in our line of, you know, being doing support groups and stuff, just being a caretaker or a family member of somebody else that's going through a mental health challenge is a whole nother topic. And you can talk about that in a separate thing. So that that's the whole, you know, flip side to this narrative of just somebody that's going through a mental health challenge. But um, I would say most things, like we we always you know go through the day and hopefully we're eating so we're feeding something but when it comes to like stuff like anxiety and depression and things that might evolve into more crisis or mental health issues it's more so like if i'm feeding into that anxiety or depression where can i catch myself feeding into those things and most of those times maybe it's in moments where you isolate and you're alone and you're doing things when no one's around or no one's looking so you know people i, I always like to say even from a faith background like you know even when adam and eve sinned right they were they the, the devil tempted them when they were alone you know when he didn't go he didn't get them when they were all together he got them when they were one by one so as men it's super important that you hold yourself accountable to at least um at least one other person right it doesn't mean like i always tell people now in my own recovery journey that you don't need to have that many friends and I, honestly i tell people now i could buy friends to be honest at this point in my life if i wanted to if at this, you, you, just, you just need one or two reliable people that just hear you out for the sake of hearing you out without needing to always listen to respond, but listen to just understand what you're going through, right? So I would say, how does anxiety and depression kind of take hold and like overtake us to feel powerless is if we let it hide away in our private life and not share it. But if you expose it and share it to at least one person, it doesn't have as much of a power over you as someone who doesn't share it and no one would know. Um, thank you. I, I wanted that was good, Brian. 
You said you said something. First of all, uh, Brian, you said something that was I thought was so powerful that I wrote down. You said truth and transparency breeds transformation. I wanted to acknowledge that that was a gem that you put out here. Um, but one thing about this question, Lee, that I think is layered. The question was, how do mental health issues like depression or suicidal thoughts show up in men's life? I think that there is this narrative or this misunderstanding that mental health is kind of like this far off thing. Like it's this opposite thing of me where my mental health is a part of me. <laughs> like it, like it's 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 not some adjoined thing, right? Like this, it's like your your mind is another part of your body. It's another aspect of you. It's not something that's totally different than you. Your mind is with you all the time, just like your hand, your arm or your leg is with you. And so when you are not caring for it, when you are not feeding it the right things, when you like a body, like your body, right? I can want a six pack all my, I can want a six pack for forever. But if I have, if my body is, has an appetite for KFC and Popeye's and pizza, because that's what I've been feeding it, eventually, you know, my abs are going to be insulated right? They're going to be insulated. It's going to be stuff that's going to, there's going to be barriers. There's going to be blockages. There's going to be appetites. There's going to be things that are going to keep me from achieving the goal and my body operating at its optimal level. But at the same time, it then makes me um, more susceptible to disease and other issues that come along with a diet and an appetite um, that is not conducive to me operating at my optimal level. So how do these things show up in people and men's minds when we don't care for ourselves, when we're in environments that don't uh that that keep our minds and our emotions from operating at optimal level and or when we experience events that create another reality or create another kind of uh narrative in our lives that we don't address, right? And we just let it we just kind of let it just fester. And when you let anything fester, it all a mess is always waiting to happen. So me mental health issues happens that they they start when we don't take care of ourselves, when we're not mindful of ourselves, when we're not good stewards over the gift of the mind that we have that we've been given. Yeah, I want to piggyback off of that. Like the whole idea of just the brain, it's an organ. So just like I take care of my heart, just like I take care of my liver just like I take care of my lungs if people don't understand now that it's another organ and I'm taking care of my organ that controls way more than all the other organs then it's just it's just stupid I think at this point but at the same time it's just you don't people I always say people's ignorance or lack of understanding or hurtful comments or advice that is not great advice is just because they haven't gone through it themselves and when they go through it then they might cross paths with you later down the line in life and 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 realize oh now that they've gone through it they understand how to approach the situation better so for the lack of better words it's just more so most people just don't know because they just choose to either suppress it ignore it or they haven't been encountered a situation or someone in their circle that has you know explicitly gone through something like that or at least even shared it to begin with but the other thing i wanted to say is like hiding hiding this anxiety or depression or just things that might come up that might boil into something else is just this idea of um prevention is better than the cure right even andrew said earlier like if you're gonna you know go therapy with the whole therapy question like 
if if you're gonna it's better to be proactive in those measures and be able to take those steps just in case just so that you know that's a resource and a support that's needed in the future if you really need to consider that but i would even argue and say for people that don't necessarily want to do therapy no one needs to force anybody to do anything but just know that there are other alternatives like support groups and just talking to other men in your life that you trust or admire that can be the first step to then make you want to consider therapy or a psychologist or some professional in the medical in the medical space or what whatnot but all that to say is like most things thrive in spaces and environments where we feel that we're stressed or we lose a lack of control or there's no sense of control and when those two things happen we start to spiral and we don't take care of our, our mental health. So that's why coping skills and having this level of control with echoing what Robert said, like we have to have that discipline and preparation to know what do I have control over in order to ensure that I have better control over my overall mental health by taking the proper steps. That's it. You know, can I, if I can piggyback. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Right. Which was so powerful. Like men, we'll take care of our bodies before we take care of our mind. Right. We will go to the gym, most of us anyway, at one point in time of our life, right? Um, because we see the 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 exact benefits of that. If I go to the gym, I work out, I lift weights, right? I see the muscles forming. I see, right, I feel better. It's the same if we adopted the same attitude, like we said, though the muscle of the mind muscle, if we spend the time investing in it, right? Because at the end of the day, when your body deteriorates, when your libido goes down, when your testosterone levels aren't as high, the one thing that can still right function at almost optimal capacity is the mind. Yeah. I want to ask before I go to that question, Dr. Ray or Andrew, you got anything to add to that? You on mute, Dr. Ray. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I tell people all the time that, you know, you're more than just physical, you know, you're, you're physical, you're spiritual and you're emotional and you have to give equal attention to all of those things. You know, if you let any of those things lack, the other two will suffer, you know? So I agree with, with Robert, we need to give the same attention to our mind as we do our body for whatever reason, you know, that physicality is important. I think that's also because of how men have been socialized. You know, you gotta be big and buff, you know, that's what a man is, but how about a big and buffed mind, you know, enough to, to buffer those stressors that come into the, the life of men, period, you know, we need to prepare for that too. So I absolutely agree. Thank you. Andrew, mm -hmm. you got anything you want to add, Andrew? Okay. <laughs> so my next question, uh, before I leave that question, anybody out there, I'm saying this again, struggling with thoughts of suicide, suicide, ideation, deep, dark depression, you know somebody, um, make sure you dial the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988. Um, my friend always told me this, it's always better to have a man friend than a dead friend. So make sure you dial that number, get a support group. Um, like I said, Robert um, has the Survivor Circle on Facebook. They are there for you, no matter what, just like everybody else. So my next question will be for um, be for Ray and Brian, and I'll start with Ray, then Brian can answer. Is question is, what can our society do to break the stigma surrounding men's mental health? 
Well, I think what we're doing right now is an example of what we need to be doing. We need to normalize the conversation. We need to make sure that that language is put out there and that we make focusing on your mental health something that's common, you know? Uh, when, when young boys grow up through their uh, younger years and their teenage years, they shouldn't be in their 20s before the first time they hear about take care of your mental health. It should be something that they hear growing up. We need to normalize these conversations, uh, you know, in our communities, in our homes, in our churches, everywhere where we find men, we need to normalize the conversation so men won't feel awkward and, and weird, you know, talking about emotions and that they'll develop the, the vocabulary, the emotional vocabulary necessary to express themselves, you know, in a way that's a healing, you know, that can be healing for them. I think that's what we need to do, have the con more conversations and include mental health in all aspects of, of health and wellness. You know, when we're talking about being healthy, we can't just leave it to the physical. We got to include the, the emotional and mental health as well. And when we're in churches, we can't just leave it to the spiritual. We got to talk about mental and emotional health as well. Important. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> Okay, Dr. Ray. Okay. <laughs> what to say after that. I'm looking at. Uh, I would say, I would say the same thing. And then, but just add one more thing in the sense. Um, what was the thing? Oh, as a guy, there's only so much that you can do to feel like if if you if I'm a guy and I'm like, oh, what can I do for men's mental health or what can I do to break the stigma to say do this group or start this thing or create this movement or do this that thing that is a lot more pressure and it's probably more stress and it would make your mental health probably worse um if you try to do that alone too if you're already not addressing your own mental health and not doing that in community so i would say the simplest thing that someone could do is just ask yourself do i have in my week or in my in a day a given day or every other day do i have moments where i can check in with somebody else other than myself or do I have a moment where I can at least say in a given week, I can at least visit one safe space. That's, it could be a church. It could be a, uh, at the gym with a couple guys or out to dinner with, you know, two other people that are close to you or something, or even your spouse. But just like if you're married or whatever, you, you have those check-ins, I hope with somebody here you're, you're in a relationship with. Same thing with yourself, have that check-in with yourself, but also find at least one or two other men in your life that you respect or that you admire or that you know have been open about their struggles and and be create that safe space and if you have that one safe space in your life then you at least know when you don't feel like yourself or when you don't feel like you have a good control over your life or some certain situation or circumstance you can at least share something in that circle without feeling like you're carrying the weight of the whole universe on your on your back. Can I add to that really quick? I yeah, think um, there's two things for me. Number one is um, I think the best thing you we as men can do to kind of break some of this uh, to break up this uh, this negative stigma around this is number one be committed to our own health holistically, right? Um, showing up in your world. I, I said this in my book. What, there's another book I wrote called What Every Man Needs to Know. And I said that every man is giving a world that he is responsible for, right? That he has dominion over um, and that it is his responsibility to speak into it, to nurture it, to, and rather that, you know, whatever that world looks like, it looks different for each one of us. But 
what matters is is how you show up in that space, right? How you show up. There's one thing that if we show up as, you know, there's one thing to say who you are, but there's another thing to listen to what other people say about you. And so the question, the, you know, the question is like, I know, you know, as a man, you show up and you think you're handling business, but what does the people around, what does the people around you say? What, if you're married, what does your wife say? What do your, what does your kids say? What does your significant other say? What does your pastor say? What, you know, what, how do other people perceive who you are? And I think before, and uh, something to think back off of what Brian said, before you, we try to um, create movements or do things that promotes mental health with you, with other people is to ensure that we are well ourselves first. Now, no one's perfect, but I think, you know, in this space, if you're going to show up in this space, right, like the greatest testament of, uh, of, of being, uh, have being a mental health advocate is being mentally stable or mentally well yourself. I think that's important. So, you know, even when you're on a plane, they tell you if, you know, if the plane is going down and crash, you got to make sure you put on yours first before you try to put on somebody else's um, because then it creates a bigger mess. And I think, too, um, what I would love to see, and this is a little rant, I will, you know, I'm very specific in what and what I deal with as it relates to mental health um, space. Now, I'm not a therapist, but um, what I deal with in this field, very specific, I would love to see men be more specific about the different types of issues that men are facing and battling within our communities instead of sometimes it being blanketed over just with the mental health kind of like this is what we do like the generalists like I, I would love to see and hear more conversation about what it, what is it what is what does it mean to be bipolar? What does it mean to have uh, multiple personality disorder? What what is transgenerational trauma? Where, what what like I would love to hear more men specifically, or not just men, but mental health professionals create that language in a broader conversation instead of mental health. I hear a lot of mental health, mental health, mental health, mental health, but the people who are struggling with these issues, right? typically aren't the people who are listening to the podcast. And so how can we continue to create conversation in our communities amongst the people we love about the specific issues that we see that can be pulled by data, that can be pulled by research, that can be pulled by our own kind of experience? How can we um, create language amongst our communities about specific things that people are battling with, right? Yeah, that's good. I have two things that came up. There's that one saying, God gave us, or whoever you believe in created you, gave us two hands, one to help yourself and one to help others. And um, and if you're not helping yourself, then you're most likely hurt and hurt people hurt people. So you better be careful. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Ryan and Robert and Dr. Ray. Um, but that question will be for Robert and Andrew. We're going to start with Andrew first and go to Robert. Um, um, what are some coping skills men can practice to help with their mental health? Yeah, that's a great question. There's a lot of coping skills and things you could do to help with that. I'll take maybe a little bit of a different approach to this question. Um, two books that came to mind, not doing book recommendations, but I think the titles are fascinating and they've helped me. Um, one is this, there's a book called Try Softer. And I think this is 
very helpful for a lot of people because it talks about the approach of a lot of times our approach is just to, even when it comes to mental health, is just trying harder. Let me just do more therapy. Let me just do more of this. Let me just read one more book. Um, but in regards to mental health and self-care, you can't always just take an approach of just willpower in your way to help yourself. Um, I know that's built into the DNA of kind of our American society, specifically for men, of you just kind of mm -hmm. do it yourself. But I think when it comes to approaching and coping mental health coping skills, you kind of have to approach it. You have to just try softer, not harder. You have to kind of lean into that self-compassion and that curiosity and come at it from a place of, of slowness and mindfulness, not just kind of like, I'm going to attack this and I'm going to just conquer this thing, but just leaning in and being more gentle with yourself, kinder to yourself as, as, as slow as it sounds. Because I know sometimes with mental health, you just kind of want to root it out and get rid of it, but you, you got to take a different approach to it. You got to kind of try softer. You can't just willpower your way through things that have been there for coping uh, from habits that have been there for years, trauma that has haunted you for years. You can't just willpower your way through. You got to try softer. Uh, another thing that I think is helpful, um, another book that I read was called It's Not You, It's Everything. And this kind of recognizing uh, mental health and a lot of the environmental factors that are out there as well, like realizing the society around us, American capitalism does not always help or lend well to our mental health. Um, the rise of anxiety and depression coinciding with the rise of like people expected to live this good American dream life is probably not coincidental, this book points out. Um, so I think recognizing a lot of the environmental factors around us, yes, there's genetic factors, yes, there's trauma and all those things, but sometimes we forget that like maybe we're just not meant to live the way that our society is telling us we need to live. Yeah. Or maybe there's a lot of, you know, systematic systems of oppression and things out there that are also affecting mental health as well. So I think leaning in and recognizing a lot of the environmental factors that are out there as well, sometimes get, get not recognized enough, whatever those factors may be. Um, systems that, that be that may not be be helping, whether those be religious church systems that have maybe done more harm than good for mental health conversations, maybe that's your, your family, maybe that's racist systems of oppression, maybe that's our American capitalistic system, whatever that might be, but recognizing how some of these play um, on our mental health, I would say. Thank you. Dang, Andrew, that was great. That was right. Sweet. That was, just that was dropping yeah. the books. Don't even give us the authors. We see how it is. We see your right. style. I'm Googling the books right now, Amazon and the books right now. Listen, I think they didn't even leave us with the ISBN number. My gosh. <laughs> um, I think I can just piggyback off of what Andrew said. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. He sliced that bread really well. Um, and so I'm going to just eat from it. Um, I, I think uh, what he said as well, I'll just throw out some other books that I love. One of them um, is called The Body Keeps the Score. Um, mm -hmm. That's a hallmark mental health book um, to understand, like an entry level and a deep level to understanding trauma um, and how it impacts the body, how it impacts the mind. Um, that's one of my favorite uh, to go to books. Um, and just, you know, um, I don't know if I want to put this out here, but I'll, I'll just throw this out here. I, I read a lot. I read anything, everything. One of the books, uh, one book or one kind of thing that I'm really reading up on is dark psychology. Um, and, and the reason why I'm reading and venturing into that space is because what I do is I deal with male survivors 
um, and I want to continue to be able to create the language to speak to why, what, how these things happen um, to be able to identify. So it, it, that uh, reading some of those books about dark psychology gives you a framework to understanding how manipulation works and how um, and how mind control works and how these things, these practices are used specifically for people, for men who may have been um, victims of trauma or some for some sort of traumatic life experience at the hands of someone else. Um, so yes, that's that's another book that I, another kind of just area of study that I've been venturing out to in the last couple of uh, months. Thank you. That's crazy. I got that book, Body Keeping Score. I've just seen, you know, you know, Robert, you know, Rich, he just posted that book on Instagram. I need to read that yeah, book. Yeah, I just gave, I gave that book to him. Right. Oh, right. it's been sitting okay. over. It's been sitting on my shelf for like a long time. I need to read it. No, you need to read it. Wait, what's it called? Body keeping score. The body keeps the score. Oh, it's like a, anybody in the mental health field, I'm sure, has read that book, yeah. knows that book. It's like textbook. It's like standard. Like, yeah, great work. Yeah. So, my next question is going to be for everybody. I'll just call, you know, each person one by one. What are each of you doing to raise awareness for men's mental health? And I'll start with Dr. Ray. Oh, Dr. Ray passed away. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, um, I think uh, being a clinical psychologist and, and being a, a Black male uh, says a lot. It gives me a lot of opportunities and opens a lot of doors for me to uh, just raise awareness, uh, particularly in the, in the faith community. Um, you know, just about the importance of addressing your mental health awareness. And I take every opportunity that I can, you know, that's given to me to, to talk about it, to encourage people, you know, to not just be healthy physically, but be healthy emotionally and mentally as well. So, um, yeah, I just take every opportunity that comes my way. A lot of doors open for me. So, you know, I use it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, um, Andrew. Yeah, um, I think I think it was Robert that kind of said this earlier that, you know, I think in raising awareness, you kind of, you know, you have to start with yourself. Um, so for the last several years, kind of exploring more of my journey and my story of what that looks like and how I show up in the world has been been helpful for me, especially um, currently in school um, for a counseling degree currently. So obviously being in school and working through your own journey and story at the same time gives you a lot of things to think about and reflect on and a lot of opportunities to, to work through things. Uh, but you could also kind of ignore them because they're just so overwhelming because it brings up so many mm -hmm. things. So trying to lean into that space of just... Um, talking more about my story, being kinder to myself, all the things that I've said earlier, trying to do all those things for myself as well. Um, so trying to be more honest about it, um, doing that at home, doing that with my son, he's seven years old. And the other day, you know, we're realizing, you know, he has, he's, he has some, some anxious tendencies. So instead of trying to, my approach so far is I stopped doing that. And obviously that doesn't work. I just said it didn't work a few minutes ago, but for some reason, those things that we tell others are hardest to do ourselves. So trying to work on some of those things myself and realize, you know, talking more about, hey, when I was a kid, here's some things that I was scared of or anxious about, things that I, maybe I've never even shared with anyone before, sharing with my seven-year-old son, not only for his benefit, but for my benefit as well, to, you know, start at home with all the things that we're sharing with others and learning about and talking about. 
um, just, you know, starting at home with some of those things is, is very important, especially for, for those of us who have stories of our own journey of mental health or trauma or whatever that might be. So, yeah. Thank you, Andrew. Um, next, Brian. Um, what was the question again? Question was, what are you doing to raise awareness for men's mental health? Hmm. I'm not doing that much, but uh, I would say you just, I would say when I said earlier, like if you're transparent with yourself, then that starts the transformation process. But the foundation of all that is this bed of trust. So I would say, ask yourself, what are you doing for men's mental health? Ask yourself, like, are you, can you trust yourself? And can other people trust you? Are you a safe person? Are you a safe space for someone that may come in contact with you, irrespective of if you know them from childhood or you know them from high school or college or work or church or whatever, I don't care, the grocery store, period. Are you a safe person? And I feel like so many people are like chasing success and this and that and money and fame and blah, blah, blah. But if, if all someone said at the end of the day when it's all said and done is, hey, that person, that was a safe person. That was a safe space for me. And I trusted that person. Then I think you did your job in the mental health space because that's very, it's, that's, that's all that you can do when you're working in mental health, be a trustworthy and safe space for someone. That's good, Brian. And I want to add something to Brian first. You know, we, me and you both tried um, when I was in West County with a men's group, nobody showed up and stuff like that. I was a little bummed and everything, but it's like, how do you get men? You know what I'm saying? How do you get men to show up to a support group? Uh, it's not you. It's not me. It's everything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we try. Let's say we try. We, we put try. in the work. We try. I can't say we can't. We can only yeah. support. We can't save everybody. We can, but we can support. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Thank you, Ryan. Um, Roberts. Man, uh, what am I doing? What are we doing? And I. So let me first say it's not just me. I have an amazing team of men, a community of brothers who are rocking with me. It's about 14 of us. That's at least core. That are man. We're trying to take the world by storm. And I don't mean to say that arrogantly, but what we're really trying to do is to create a safe space and a new narrative and put a new face to what it means to be a, a, a well man, a well man, if that makes sense. Um, so I'm I, I, I happily because I'm proud of our team and what we have accomplished and what we are accomplishing. We put out the first book, we put out, uh, I've, so I've written a total of six books altogether. Um, and it all they all focus on male ma men's mental health, male masculinity, male, all of those things. So you can go and look up Robert Marshall, um, and you can Google that. You can go to my website. You'll see about all six of those books. Um, we've written children's books as well that are currently in in Target and Walmart and some spaces. And so um, those uh, little brown boy, he's doing well. Uh, we've written, we've created activity books and all types of stuff that focus on developing a healthy kind of space for men. Um, the last book that we put out is called Echo. Well, the, pre the previous, yeah, Echoes, that book, we, um, we're coming out with a workbook alongside with that book. Um, and that's coming out at the top of the year. So be excited about that. I am so excited about 2023. We're, we're coming out with a docu-series um, as well um, that talks about the journey of uh, journeying to wholeness through afterlife, life after um, sexual trauma. Um, and so be on the lookout for that. Um, I'm so excited to, we just announced with the team yesterday, 
in Chicago, we're going to do the first ever male, um, male uh, Echoes Male Art Exhibition that focuses on the lived experiences of male survivors from urban communities. So it's going to be an entire art exhibition, art gallery full of art and stories of male survivors from urban communities. Um, I'm super excited about that. That's going to happen um, in um, March, um, from March 20th to April 15th, we'll be in that space. Um, we're also going to be hosting a 5K in April for male survivors of sexual trauma. And so we we have, a, there's a lot of other stuff that is happening, but join, connect with us on social media to keep up with all the stuff and the dates. Um, we're going to have our uh, male, our male survivor, a national male survivor summit um, that focuses on empowering male survivors from urban communities. Um, and I'm so excited. We're working with some major organs, you know, major uh, organizations in this space. And I'm really excited about it. Um, besides that, we've been touring around the country, doing grassroots work, um, having conferences and seminars and retreats and masterminds. And so um, specifically focused on men, mental health as it relates to sexual abuse and sexual traumatic, helping men overcome sexual traumatic experiences. So I'm excited. We also have a Facebook community, um, the Survivor Circle, which has about 175, 180 men from around the world um, who are all typically from urban communities talking about sexual abuse and we're journeying together and uh, journeying together to wholeness that looks different for each person. So. Um, and then I do offer, you know, personal coaching on the side as well, um, case by case. Um, and so, I, yeah, that's what we're doing right now to raise awareness about mental health and a lot of these issues that are plaguing um, uh, men around the world. And I say this, and I'm going to close with this. The reason why I am so committed to this work is because I always ask the question, where do men go that are hurting and broken? There are a lot of social, there are a lot of resources for women and children, but typically men in urban communities only get to go to two places, either the grave or incarceration. And we have to, and the reason why we're, we're I feel like this is a, my Esther moment, our Esther moment, like for such a time as this, like we have to do this work. Um, and it's not enough to just stand behind a desk. Like I want to be a therapist so bad, right? I'm in. My, I've already completed my uh, doctorate in higher educational leadership and administration. I don't use it in this space because I don't want to, you know, for ethics, right? I don't want people to think I'm a, a mental health professional as it relates to a doctor. But um, I we got to do this work because um, when I've conducted my entire research, I found that the that, that the underlying issue between the gangbanger, the school to prison pipeline, um, fatherlessness, all of these things is men's or boy, young men's and men's uh, exposure to sex prematurely and sexual traumatic experiences. Like, I want you to, and I challenge even the brothers on here, go and do the read, just, just read, do some research, and you will see that there is an underlying thread that we that is not in books that are not in narratives and oftentimes it is it is the narrative of uh, premature exposure to sex sexuality 
and sexual traumatic experiences in urban communities are not in just America, but around the world that, that, that fuel violence, that fuel incarceration rates, that fuel a whole bunch of other social ills that are going on in our communities. Uh, the, uh, so yeah, that's why we need to do this work and not just sexual trauma, but all of this work that we're all doing. That's so brothers, I commend you, you're all needed. I believe that, but even then, when it comes to like societal issues, family is the basic unit of society so when people are worrying about the inflation and this and the politics and trump coming back or what is biden doing and all this and that i look at it like don't worry about that necessarily worry about what's happening in your home and like you said couple that with men sexual trauma but then just the degradation of familial society that's what's going to drive chaos in society more than the things you hear on the media or in tv or on you know on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. So it, it's 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 a multifaceted thing, but that's some super important. So so I'm saying no matter how many people are in this space, there's not going to be enough of com there's no competition here. It's just straight up collaboration at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um I want to say thank you all. You know, before we go, I do want all y'all to pray over certain stuff, but I want to go down the line and say thank you, Andrew. Personally, you know, Andrew, that's my pastor at a church I went to. We both attended before. He see, I think when I first came to that church, I realized I had issues with men, you know. I think I was ignoring sexual abuse and, like, becoming friends with him, you know, his wife, his family, and just, you know, different. Andrew led a, um, a trauma group, right? It was a trauma church group that was, like, amazing, like, really amazing. Um, you know, thank you for <laughs> knowing me putting up with my stuff and everything, you know, thank you for being a good, one of my favorite pastors from, you know, my old church, um, Brian, you know, thank you for the times, you know, I've been suicidal, just been depressed down, you know, we, me and Brian Lee, a lot of um, support groups at NAMI, we actually got one later on, <laughs> anxiety and depression, um, but thank you for, you know, always being there and stuff like that when I've been at my lowest and wanted to give up and just didn't want to be here. Dr. Wright, thank you for your inbox always be open. I know you're a therapist, right? And I can pay you, but I can always ask you a question. And like, if I'm tripping or just going through something, I can always tell you, like, when my therapist is not available, I thank you for your brotherhood. You know, this man, Dr. Ray, guys, he can preach his butt off. He can preach. <laughs> and Robert, oh my God, you just don't know. This book echoes, like, thank you for whatever, whoever out there that was that came up with that book, thank you, because for a long time, I felt like I was alone with sexual abuse. I felt like it was just me. Nobody around me been through that. Like, I was the only one that got sexually abused like my cousins did, but I was the only one speaking up about it, you know, get shunned from my family because I spoke up about it. Um, thank you for writing that book. Because of you and that book and the authors in that book, I was able to hit, I have like Ryan, love Ryan, um, visit his church, like, in October, when I was coming back from, um, when I was going home to Delaware, um, Mario's cool friend, um, Nolan, you know, he's connects everybody together. D, decline, like cool people, rich, like different people and stuff like that. Thank you for writing that book and creating that space for sexual abuse survivors. Cause like I said, I, for a long time, I thought it was just me. Nobody was speaking about it, but now I got a whole book to look at and see, um, everybody's story like i would encourage all you on here to get that book that book is good <laughs> some of the stories in there you know trigger warning but right. it's, it's real good 
and it's on the low right now for Christmas. You can go grab it. It's like four dollars. I know. I saw that on Amazon. Oh, will you sign up for me? Let's go. Where you? You're in Philly, right? Yeah, yeah. The way you said Philly was so sad, but yeah, I'm where Andrew's at. I got a sign copy, Brian, right here. Oh, okay. You know what? If you send me your address, bam, I got one right here. Just send me your address. Whoa, okay, okay. I'm going to reach out to Talik. I'll get it. Let's go. You just um, tell me how much. All right, I'll cash up or Venmo you. Okay. Um, I would like to end this podcast episode with prayer. And I feel like, but not not just like a lot of men's mental health, you know, like the passing, the Twitch, and like personal friends of mine, you know, that passed or died by suicide. I would like each of you to pray over mental health you know brian you can start us off you can pray for the youth and mental health then you know and andrew depression um the mental health um pastor robert you can pray for suicide and dr ray can pray for anxiety you know but robert you pray you know suicide but you know more so you know with the sexual abuse you know the men are struggling and stuff like that go ahead brian you start us off Okay, dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for us all to come here together on this platform virtually, Lord, and connect with each other. And all, although we're in different walks of life, uh, doing different things, we all are united to come together, Lord, to ensure that you're a God of restoration and healing. And we want to bring healing to those that are hurting, Lord, in, in various capacities. But especially when we talk about mental health, Lord, we ask that uh, you strengthen um those that are struggling with various mental health challenges, specifically with the youth, Lord, and uh, as, you know, post-pandemic life isn't easy to get adjusted to, and there's always anxiety and, and underlying depression and uh, a, f- a random thought process of emotions that are happening, Lord, please give us that stability and, and control that we need to know that you have already conquered that um, and, and that we need to claim the power that you have given us, Lord, and that we have control and resources and that you've put us on this earth with other people to walk and and share our burdens with each other lord rather than fight them alone otherwise you would have put us all on separate planets without anybody there besides us lord so we ask that those that are in in the youth age group lord whether it's transitioning from uh elementary school to middle school middle school to high school high school to college or even trade working or just going into the working world ask them uh, we ask that you give them the support and bring the right people in their lives to provide support and encouragement to them so that they can be better support and blessing to those that interact with them and that they can move forward and positively impact the society and also those that are around them. And we pray for anybody that might be struggling in silence, Lord, to, to know that um, there are resources out there and that people care about them, even though it might feel contrary and that you are always with us, no matter what struggle we go through in Jesus' name. Yes, um, Andrew. Uh, God, we thank you that you are a God that is intimately acquainted with our pains and sufferings as you became one of us and experienced not only death, but experienced every human emotion that we experience and wrestle with today. So we know throughout scriptures, we see you as a God that is near to the brokenhearted that you are close to them. You are not distant from our suffering and from our pain, but you are right there alongside of it, in the midst of it with us. 
Uh, God, we also thank you that we can hope that hope is still reasonable because you are a God that has created newness out of chaos and disorder time and time again throughout your history of dealing with humanity, going back to creation, you created order and newness out of nothingness and all throughout your interactions with your people. When there was no reason to hope, you intervene on behalf of humanity and give us a reason to hope. So we pray that you would give hope to those that are hopeless today. Mm. Robert. Lord, we thank you for your children. We thank you for your sons. Um, Father, I pray that they would know that they are radically loved by you. Um, Beyond performance, beyond accolade, beyond pedigree, beyond education, uh, stamina, or performance. Lord, I pray that, God, we would leave this place and they would leave knowing that they are loved as they are. And that, God, you call them wonderfully and fearfully made. You call them beloved. You call them yours. Um, And, Father, we thank you that we're able to stand on this new covenant, understanding that we are your children and you are our God, that you are Abba. And, Lord, we pray that we'll continue to trust you with our lives as such. In Jesus' name, amen. Dr. Ray. God, we thank you. We bless you. We honor you just for your goodness and your mercy, your kindness and your grace. God, we thank you today just for this conversation. We thank you, Lord, because you uh, suffered for our anxieties, God. We thank you, Lord, that you you don't want us to worry. We thank you, God, that you have given us the opportunity to cast our cares upon you. Teach us how to cast our cares upon you, God. Help us to realize that every thorn that that pricked your brow uh, was for every worry that we could ever have, God. And and so uh, we put it in your hands. We trust you, God. We, We come against, you know, fear and fright. You haven't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, God. Help us to have that sound mind and help us to operate in love and to know that we are loved, God, so that we don't have to worry, God, about where our next meals are coming from, where our money is coming from, that all of that is in your hands, God. You are taking care of us, and we thank you for that. We honor you for that. God, model model that to us and, and help us to realize, even as fathers ourselves uh, and husbands ourselves, God, and, and men ourselves, that we don't have to do it alone, but but that uh, leaning on you is the, is the best example we can set, Lord, for our families, for our communities, for our neighborhoods. We thank you and praise you and count it as done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you all for saying yes to this episode in short time notice. I just felt like this was needed to be done, you know, with like just suicide rate and men. Thank you for being brave. Thank you all for saying yes. Thank you. Thank you.